Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 15th, 2015. Okay, we are reading from the big book, and we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXVII, the very last, uh, very last line, of course, an alcoholic. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Mary H., the 12 Traditions, Alice M. And our readers for the text today are Julie R., Chelsea H., and Rebecca F. Our share ID, which is a four-digit number for Wednesday, October the 14th, 2015, is 8117. That's 8117. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary H. to please read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Mary H. in Connecticut, compulsive overeater, recovering. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. And thank you, Mary H. I will now ask Alice M. to please read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, this is Alice M., compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. The 12 Traditions are, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. And thank you, Alice M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us to share Press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by sharing by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page XXVII, the last line. That begins, of course. And now I will ask Julie R. to please begin reading. Hi, Janice. Thank you. I'm Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater from California. <clears throat> of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed 
from his physical craving for liquor. And this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. And I love that because it starts off with, of course, well, it's a no-brainer, right? It's without question. Yeah, you can't be in the food to get this thing. What thing? That spiritual experience, right? And it says ought to be freed. So it's not white-knuckle abstinence. It's not being on a diet. It's to have that freedom. But the only way that I can have that freedom, right, is to have that spiritual experience. And the only way to have that spiritual experience is to be free from all of my alcoholic foods. and Or I can get some benefit. And it says right here, before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So if I want, you know, 10% recovery, then, yeah, stay in the food or give up some of my food. But if I want 100% freedom, it's to be clean so that I can hear, hear that message that's coming from, you know, my God my creator, not somebody else's, but mine, so that I can have maximum benefit. And that's what I want, right? I, I want to be living in that solution. I want to be free from manipulation, dishonesty, anger, revenge, jealousy. But I won't ever give any of those things up, which I love to live with, if I'm still in the food. I'm not going to have any type of, of semblance of a recovered person. I might be thin, but I'm sure I'm not going to be recovered. So this is, you know, it's a very short sentence, but it is powerful because it it doesn't leave any um, question because it says, of course, you got to be free from any of your alcoholic foods. I cannot expect to be recovered and be dabbling in the food or be whatever sloppy means. Um, if you're sloppy with your food, you're not abstinent. You know, it's got to be clean. And and what does that mean? That's only for you to decide. But I know each day I work my program and I am free. I don't have cravings for any of my binge foods. I don't have any obsessions. And I am receiving that maximum benefit because I, I have a clear path to my creator that I can hear. And um, But I do know that if I don't stay in 10, 11, and 12, that I will get clouded and that funnel will not be as free-flowing. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. And thank you, Julie. Uh, okay, who would like to comment on what was read at this time? Katie G. from Boston. Got it. Katie G. Next. Anybody else? Okay, Katie G. You're up. Good, Good morning, Mr. Kessett. Oh, sorry. No, fine. Rakefit. Rakefit, yes. Okay, go ahead, Katie G, and then Rakefit. <clears throat> Thanks. Good morning. This is Katie G, Compulsive Reader, Anarchist, and Bulimic. So grateful to hear this. And um, one of the things that's really being hammered home for me is, um, you know, if somebody asks a heroin addict, are you using heroin or not, it's a very clean question, yes or no. Um, yet for me, um, asking me if I'm clean with my food and my addictive food behaviors, I can have rationalization, justification um, for all sorts of behaviors. And, um, you know, I put the food down <clears throat> with Katie's help, um, you know, getting a little bit of God like 11 years ago. Um, and, and I looked to other um, addictive 
behaviors, food behaviors, um, things that become paramount to everything else, like exercising and um, and being a certain weight and believing that, you know, worshiping that false god. Like if I could just be, if I could just have this external right, that I would be okay. Believing, like it talks about in we agnostics. If everything looks good on the outside, then things are going to be okay on the inside, and that's just not true. And um, for me, um, this has required a lot of ongoing work in terms of what entire abstinence means. Um, And I have to be very black and white. I know that there are not people that need that, um, but I do follow a very structured food plan. But in addition to that, I have structures and boundaries around things like how often I get on the scale, how often I go to the gym, because for me, I'm – I'm just looking for false gods. I'm just looking for somebody else to, like, tell me, like, I get so agnostic. And, um, you know, what I'm clear on is that when I um, am using an addictive substance, I can't hear God because I ha- there is no God. The God is the addictive substance. And it doesn't have to just be compulsive overeating. It can be exercise. Um, for me, it became exercise became paramount to everything else. I was leaving work, flying, being dishonest, and, and exercise was my God. And thank you, God, like I've had... Um, a spiritual awakening in that area and can surrender it. And so mm, I think um, for me, it's just a process of ongoing honesty. Like, like how much do I want this? <clears throat> and how free do I want to be? And how much God do I want? And sometimes that means taking a lot of risks um, and being totally 100% honest. And um, when I'm able to do that, I get 100% God. And it is so rewarding. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Katie. Okay, Raquel Pizzi, please, you're up. <laughs> Thank you, Janice, for your service. This is Rakefin Z, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And I like I like this paragraph a lot. Of course, you have to be clean before you can start working the steps, before you can absorb the steps, because if you're eating, you're not able to. You're stuffed up. You have no connection to God. You have no connection to anything except for the food. The speaker on Sunday said, you can only have one God. You can only have one higher power. And so if I'm eating, when I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, which is often, very often, I will turn to food instead of to God. And what I'm here for is to build a connection with God. I'm here to get unblocked from God. And that means that whenever I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, I turn to God because I have trust and faith that I will be set, I will be taken care of and set on the proper direction what I have to do, what I need to do. So um, I can't, I can't, I can't do both. I can't do both because then I pick and choose when it's when it's convenient for me to turn to God. Oh, thank you, God, I had a good absent day. Or when it's when it's convenient or uncontrollable to turn to the food. Like, I'm feeling really lousy. i I got to have something. i got to have something. I'm going to turn to the food and not to God. I'll forget about God until I feel better. This doesn't work. This does not work, not work for me. I have to have one God. That means for everything, every feeling I have, every emotion, everything that happens, every hope I have in this world, I turn to God to help me, to see the truth, to see what I need to do. So, um, yeah, I really love this paragraph. Thank you. And thank you so much, Raquel Z. Okay, is there anyone else who would like to comment on this? Uh, this uh, Hello, this is Raquel. Raquel. From Israel. Okay. Raquel from Rebecca Jerusalem. F. And, and then we have Melissa Rebecca, C. Rebecca F. And who is it? Marzi? Melissa C. 
Melissa C. Okay, anyone else? Okay, let's go with those three. Raquel, you're up. Hi, Janice. Hi, everybody on the line. Thanks for your service, and thank you all my dear brothers and sisters. This is, that could not be a more important paragraph um, that sets the difference between, unfortunately, why AA succeeded so tremendously right from the beginning and why we are in the shape we are in, and thank goodness getting better every day, is that it never was made that clear, that clear and straightforward in, in OA that you can't do this work, this, this entire psychic change, change while you are shooting up or drinking whiskey in the other programs. Nobody in the other pro- I got my abstinence from NA and AA. Nobody there would dream of sitting, they call it here, sitting steps, sitting down and doing the steps while you are still intoxicated. And somehow with us, and this is why I spent 30 years there not understanding what's, what's up, what's down, what's crawling and what's sliding and what's slithering, is because, because of keep coming back and we love you until you love yourself and all that. And meanwhile, every time I had seven months, nine months, but I always cut the process. I always cut the process in the middle and, and did not complete it to the point where I could really experience a spiritual awakening. The high about buying new clothes, who can refute that? It's wonderful, wonderful. But here it is so very clear. And I think this this is a key. When we will get that, that really reminds me of half measures availed us not. We stood at the turning point. All of you probably know exactly what page it is, and I don't. Or, or, um, or our, our results were nil until we let go completely, abandon yourself to God. It's hard, you know, but, but this is the, the cornerstone. Without that, or even it's just the foot in the door that the door shouldn't close, that I can do the rest of the work. And, um, and, and it's beautiful the way it is stated here, I think, with very, I think they are being very modest when they're saying, when Billy saying, of maximum benefit. Measures, no measures, psychological measures can be of maximum of any. I would have said of any. There's another place where they were very determined and changed it to be, softened it a little bit. You know, rarely have we seen, you know, I can add to that, rarely have we seen anybody continuing to, of Rachel continuing to stuff her face and trying to understand this whole thing intellectually, emotionally, or any which way. Thank you so much for being there. Thank you so much for the clarity that you brought into my my life by by showing me the doctor's opinion. Thank you. I pass. And thank you, Raquel, and thank everyone <clears throat> for watching the time. Okay, Rebecca F., you're up, dear. Thank you. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut, a compulsive overeater. Grateful to be on the line and reading this paragraph. And I thought I would just take a minute to talk first about the word craving. And I'm not 
sure. I haven't, no one has officially told me that this is true, but I liken craving to compulsion as opposed to obsession. So I consider myself to be OCD, obsessive compulsive when it comes to food. And the obsession happens when the food is down, but the compulsion for me is the craving that once I ingest some of my binge ingredients, I have a craving or a compulsion to have to have more. It's um, not so much in my mind, it's like a physiological um, reaction that I have to have more. And so we call that the allergic reaction. So that's the meaning, as I see it anyway, of the word craving in this paragraph. And um, in order for me to um, stop having that compulsion, that craving, so that I could open my mind to be able to do this work, I wound up taking the advice that I had heard in the meetings, and I humbled myself and um, put my money where my mouth is and went to a nutritionist. And that wasn't something I was willing to do at first. It took a while, but I liken going to the nutritionist to sort of like a definite hospital procedure. Now I wasn't checked into a hospital, but I went to um, a medical practitioner who told me how much of each type of food to eat and when because I'm a sick person. I can't figure this out for myself and I needed professional help and was willing to do whatever it takes in order to get recovered because I wanted what all of you who are recovered had. So um, I think that's about it and I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Rebecca F. Okay, Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about how, of course, it makes sense to put the alcohol down before you can receive treatment for this. And, um, and yes, with the food, um, you know, we do have to eat every day. And so the liar in me, you know, that's the addict. Um, I I was really skillful at convincing myself that certain foods and certain food behaviors were okay. You know, um, it, it may have been easier if it was all black and white, you know. And um, But until I was really ready to separate myself from specific foods and food behaviors, that was a big one. Um, you know, I, I was I was destined to fail because the allergy kept getting activated, and you know, and so for me, um, I have to be really tight with my food. Even now, even being in a recovered state, I have to write my food down every morning. I have to commit it to my sponsor. I I can't change my food during the day. Making changes for me. Um, that invites the compulsion in. Then I start thinking that, um, you know, that I have a choice, that I can, that I can make choices. And, um, and my choices never, never led me to a good place. So, you know, I, I know that even something as simple, 
like wanting to change one fruit for another, you know. Um, I have to be really mindful of that. And, you know, for myself, um, when I make my food plan in the morning, you know, it's it's right after meditating and praying and, and connecting with my higher power. And I like to think that the, the choice that I make then is, is, is God-inspired. You know, God really is directing me at that time. And yet midday, if I get a bright idea, that's not my higher power. That's my lowest weakness. And um, and so for myself, being completely abstinent um, means that I adhere to my food plan unless there's an emergency, um, in which case then I do have to, um, I have to send that to my sponsor. You know, that's just how tight this has to be for me. And um, and my willingness to do this um, is 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 so important. This is what can keep me in a recovered state so that I can give maximum usefulness so that my allergy is not activated. And I'm just grateful to know this today. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa C. Is there anyone else that would like to comment on what was read? Okay. If there's no one. No one else will continue, and we'll go on to the second paragraph. Chelsea H., please. Thank you, Janice. Good morning for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temper drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon human things human, their problems pile up on them and they become astonishingly difficult to solve. Okay, still Chelsea, grateful to be here on the line this morning. So for me, this doctor's opinion, I like to call it the bedrock of the program. It's the fundamental medical principle underlying what I'll be building my structure to freedom on. And um, for me, understanding that chronic, reacting over and over again, and this phenomenon, something that I completely don't understand, and then the craving, and in the context of the big book, this deals with my body. So I need to be real clear about a few things. First of all, do I believe that when I eat or ingest certain foods or engage in bulimia or engage in alcohol, because I'm a drunk also, does my body react differently? Am I different? Am I willing to accept this medical assessment that I am different? And if I can answer that then I need to be clear on what it is that I can never ingest. For example, um, I'm, a, I, um, I'm a drunk, and I cannot drink alcohol in any form, and that includes <clears throat> excuse me, foods that I eat. I can't drink non-alcoholic beers or non-alcoholic whatever, uh, wines and things like that because in reality they have like uh, 0.5% of alcohol in them. So that means I, if, if the doctor's correct, I'm going to be drunk because it's going to set off the cycle in motion that will have my mind telling me continue to do it, don't do it, 
playing games with me when my body is saying more, more, more. And the more I take in trying to chase the effect of that first bite that I took, those first couple of bites, I'm going to be off to the to the races again. And this can be also with any kind of foods or um, actually the action of compulsive overeating. That also gets set into motion once I ingest any uh, binge foods. So I needed to be real clear, and I needed to develop some kind of plan of eating, some kind of plan of eating before I took the steps. Because as a drunk, I wouldn't be taking the steps. If I was in AA, they, they wouldn't, that wouldn't be going on. So I developed some way to stop so that way I could take the steps. And whatever I needed to do is what I did. My way that I had to do it, that I would not develop the phenomenon of craving. My way that I could, because I'm different, I had to put the food down. And it said to me earlier, too, that it was, you know, it was pretty obvious that I would be sober working these steps. It's like, of course. You know, it's, it's a no-brainer that the alcoholic should be freed from the craving, from the habit of the uh, compulsive eating. So have I stopped eating compulsively? Yes. How I did it is really, quite frankly, irrelevant. Have I stopped? Have I identified what I need to not ingest so that I don't cause this phenomenon to creep up again so I can walk through this process and establish a relationship with power? Because that's the only thing that's going to help me is a spiritual solution. And as an agnostic, I, had no, I couldn't eat my way to, um, to God. I didn't believe in God. I would be dead. I had, I, you know, I had to really get clear on whether or not I truly believe. It says we believe. Do I believe that the action of ingesting any of my alcoholic foods on a chronic uh, compulsive over like me will manifest itself into an allergy that will demand more, more, more. The intensity will keep increasing, and I will keep eating. And if I'm able to stop, I can walk through this process and develop a relationship with power that can do for me what I can't do for myself a day at a time. Thanks for letting me share, and with that, I pass. And thank you, Chelsea. And just a reminder that we are on page XXGIII on the first paragraph. So who else? I'm Nancy R. I'd like to share. Okay. Rachel Nancy. W. All right, Nancy R. Rachel W. Renata. Nicole S. I heard. Reva P. Wait a minute now, Nicole S. And I heard Renata. Reva P. P. Got it. Okay, let's go with those five. As we'll start with Nancy R., please. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Uh, thank you for your service. And uh, I am Nancy R., and I am a grateful, grateful, grateful recovered compulsive overeater. This paragraph, this one uh, sentence explained why I couldn't eat like my mom, other members in my family, why I was so different. It says that the phenomena of craving is limited to this class and never it occurs in the average tempered drinker. Well, I'm in that class, you know. I am a full-fledged member of that class, have been, am, and will always be. I'm a compulsive overeater. And what happens to my body physiologically does not happen to theirs, did not. That's why they were able to have a bite, a one, and go and forget about it. Uh, I will never forget my mother was, uh, and I were eating some dessert 
and she got a phone call, and she came back all animated about the phone call. And I, you know, and I said, well, you know, I kept saying, what about your, you know, your, your dessert? And she looked at me like, what, what are you talking about? And she said, oh, I've had enough. Do you want it? And I said, yeah, because I had eaten mine and was and was looking at salivating over hers. And it's because um, the allergy had been triggered. You know, I and this says it so clearly. I can never forget that. I can never safely use it. I can never. I can never become uh, so. Uh, spiritual or so serene or so recovered that I can use these substances again. I'm a member of that class, and as long as I stay in my lane, you know, as long as I, as long as I stay in my lane, that means act, uh, do those things that I have to do to stay uh, sober. I'm okay. I'm okay. So thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Nancy R. Okay, Rachel. Is it Rachel F? Rachel. W. Hi. Hi, Janice. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. It's Rachel W. Oh, yes. Uh, Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive, Everybody calling from New York. And, um, you know, this last sentence, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly, astonishingly difficult to solve. You know, as I'm just thinking back, I mean, even today as a recovered, you know, for today person who this really isn't calling to me and I'm working my program and enlarging my spiritual base, I'm still handling the the problems that I, I created and I, I have to deal with that it, it happened when I was binging and in the food. You know, so it, it is astonishing, you know, the, the extent of this disease. And, you know, I'm thinking of other situations, however, that, didn't have such an astonishing solution. Like um, when I had uh, once a while back when I had binged and I had, you know, I was in like a sugar coma and I was driving and I stopped at a stoplight and I thought to myself, you know, I'm kind of glad they don't have like a sugar laser test because I should not be on the road. I mean, I'm a threat to other drivers. My head, it was, I was in a totally different place, you know, and and, you know, I'm thinking of, um, you know, my son, my youngest now, he's 11. When I was pregnant with him, um, I had gestational diabetes, and I had to put insulin into my thigh. And, the, and the, uh, you know, the simple solution was uh, not so astonishing was, well, don't, you know, on, on the way home not to go to the bakery and, and get something, you know. Um, and, and it didn't, it seems like such a simple thing, you know, like just to put it down. You know, however, the, the <laughs> you know, the, 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 the idea here is that I'm not like the average temperate drinker. And when I think of an average temperate drinker, I think of my daughter in high school who, you know, would sit at the table and be full and, and have no room for those extra desserts. And she would put it into a napkin and put it into a cabinet and, and promptly forget about it. And I would, you know, I don't want it right now. Like that would be, you know, she'd say, I don't want it right now and I'm, I'm okay. And then she would forget about it. And the difference there is, First of all, the difference is I, I definitely not only would shove it in, but I would I would find you know I was eating more and more, and if I had to put it away somewhere, that item would be on my mind until I could eat it, you know, and nothing else and no one else was important as that thing, and that's where this is different is uh, you know that's where I'm different is that my solution um, was was really astonishingly simple that this is all about. Um, enlarging my spiritual base. This is, this is not even about the food. It's about me having this yearning and a searching for God and um, blocking that, you know, blocking it for whatever reason. 
But, um, you know, I'll just end off by saying I'm, I'm really grateful to have this, this solution of living in the steps and, and, and constantly realigning myself. It's not a perfect process. No one's here to be perfect. But at least, you know, with the food down, I can um, have a better chance of living in this design for living of the 12 steps and um, not, not create situations that are so astonishingly difficult to solve. So thank you for allowing me to share. And thank you so much, Rachel W. Nicole S., this is your turn. Hi, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I just love this paragraph. And um, I remember when I first, when this paragraph first really sunk in, and the wording in this, you know, the action of alcohol and these chronic alcoholics, um, manifestation of an allergy phenomenon of craving, um, allergic types, and, um, you know, and cannot safely use alcohol in any form at all. And for so many years, I just um, really played around with my allergic foods and thought, well, I can just have one. And, you know, as, as long as I keep to one, it's just fine. And um, that just never worked for me. And it was, one was too many and a hundred was not enough. And, when I finally <clears throat> read this and accepted it, I remember feeling um, very discouraged at first, um, just feeling like, wow, I'm never going to be able to eat these binge foods ever again, and just um, that really sinking in. But then I felt over over time when I um, kept, you know, reading through the big book and, and really believing this, working the steps, it was a, a source of relief that finally I knew what the problem was. I knew that I can't use these foods anymore. I knew that they were an allergy, and if I uh, kept eating them, I was I was going to harm my body, and I was going to set and cycle that phenomenon of craving, which I could I couldn't stop the the train um, of motion once it, once it started, and so it was an incredible just kind of a relief for me um, to finally have that sink in and to finally accept it. And I was not able to get recovered until and to put the food down um, until I finally accepted this with everything in me that I am, my reaction to food is different. I do have this allergy, this physical allergy. Um, this, it's, not, uh, it's not normal and it's, it, I'm in a different class. Um, but uh, I just encourage everybody out there um, who is just really struggling with this but when it's when we can finally accept this that it is just a, an incredible relief and it's really really became a source of comfort for me so that's all I have with that I'll pass thank you and thank you so much Nicole S Rebecca I'm sorry uh, Renata G Hi Janice good morning thank you for your service good morning everyone this is Renata G recovered compulsive reader in New York a uh, lot of thoughts on this paragraph, so I'll try to organize my thinking here. Um, um, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol in these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And, you know, whenever uh, I'm trying to help someone identify their trigger foods, I bring them to this paragraph, you know. And like Chelsea was saying, like I had to ask myself, 
do I believe that I'm a, you know, a real compulsive already overeater? That this phenomenon of craving happens whenever I pick up my binge food. You know, could I get at at some point because you know I was I kept like white knuckling and fighting the food and I couldn't recover. So at some point I had to get honest about my food. I had to ask myself. Can I control this food? And there were certain foods that I could not. And so, you know, like, I, I used to have this, this reaction that I could not explain, and that's the phenomenon, right? There were some foods that triggered me, even if not right away, but, you know, the next day or so, I would be binging my brains out, and I didn't know why. And, you know, once I accepted that certain foods created that reaction in me, it was easier to, you know, to consider the, the possibility of putting them down. The other thing, too, was, you know, sometimes I, I wouldn't even, like, fool myself that, oh, I'm going to have just one. I knew I was going to have a full-blown binge if I picked up one. But, you know, my thought was that, well, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll be able to get abstinent again. And that was not true for me. Sometimes I could, sometimes I could not. So I could never control, never predict what that phenomenon, that allergic reaction uh, was going to do to me and how long it was going to last. And the thing is, like the, the average pampered drinker, these are the normal eaters, you know, the people that eat a little bit and they feel, you know, satisfied. They had enough and they stopped. I could never feel like that with my binge food. I always wanted more, even when I was exploding I was so full. I still wanted more. If I could have more, I would have more. And so, you know, it says there's allergic types, which is me, Renata. I am an allergic type. I'm a real compulsive eater. I can never safely use my binge foods in any form at all. What that means to me is if I'm allergic to sugar, and I am, that means I can never safely use sugar in any form at all. If it's artificial sugar, if it's the fifth ingredient or beyond, it's still sugar. An alcoholic doesn't have a little bit of alcohol. And uh, so to me, this is very, very clear. And the big book talks about craving as, you know, we, we, we only have the craving if we put the substance in our body. If we don't ingest it, that craving is not going to come up. Once I put everything down, the cravings went away. It was the most freedom I ever had with the physical allergy. While I was still trying to have a little bit, it was really, really difficult. It was actually impossible. With that, I pass. Thanks. Yes. Thank you, Renata. Okay, Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Reading this paragraph this morning, I realize how brilliant, how revolutionary, and how simple, um, which a lot of new inventions and new ideas are simple and yet brilliant. Um, And it really strikes me that it is a biological, physiological fact that when I put certain things in my body, I will have a reaction and that reaction includes 
this phenomenon of craving. And I am so grateful that I read this when I first came into program because it was such a relief and it's still a relief to know I'm not a freak. It's not that I don't have willpower. Um, You know, why can everybody else do it and I can't? It says it crystal clear because there's something different in my body that occurs when I ingest certain substances. Done. Simple. Um, And I don't have to keep trying to disprove that. It's like if I put my hand on a hot stove, I will burn my skin. And who am I to say, you know what, this time I'm going to put my hand on and it's not going to burn me. There are certain laws in the universe and there are certain laws of how my body is made physiologically and other people don't have that. Um, So I am just so grateful. And I'm also paying attention to in any form at all, you know, and because I've been listening to these meetings, I used to agree with people who said, oh, an alcoholic, they can just put the alcohol down. But, you know, poor me, I have to eat three times a day. Well, you know what? Um, I don't have to eat my binge foods every day. It is pretty clear, you know, I don't have to ingest those things. And there's alcohol in cough syrup. There's alcohol in um, sauces for food. Like, you know, an alcoholic still has to be careful. And I'm realizing there's sugar in all kinds of things, um, even medications. Um, So I'm just so grateful. What a revolutionary concept. So we believe and suggest, but for me, I know I know from experience that when I put certain substances in my body, I get the same reaction. And um, I don't need to do any more research. Thank you, God. With that, I pass. And thank you, Reva P. Anyone else would like to comment on what was read? This is Larry. Leah. Okay, I hear Larry, and I hear Leah. Who's the last one? Carolyn H. Carolyn H? Yeah. Okay, if we have time, yes. Okay, Larry K., please go ahead. Sure, Janice, thanks so much. Uh, uh, Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader, thanks for your service. So, you know, uh, surrender surrender is, is essential in order to recover from, from the ism, you know, from this. And in the big book, it's interesting, it, you know, it devotes, I think it's about 51 or so, pay, approximately 50 pages to the first part of the surrender process, you know, which is to admit that, that, that I have a problem and I cannot help myself with this problem. I am hopeless of my own accord. And, um, and that's what I read and hear, that until we concede to our innermost self, our innermost self, that we are indeed, we have this thing, and I can't do anything of my own will in order to overcome this thing. And that's part of the deal with the, uh, when we look at the allergy, to recognize that I can't, you know, that I cannot have any of these substances. And I don't know about you, but for me, you know, um, I, would, I would tell people through the first few years that I came into OA, that, you know, how you doing, Larry? Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm going to meetings. I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm doing these tools. I'm reading every day. I'm journaling. I'm doing this and that, all the different tools. And how's your, how's your food? Well, I, you know what? I'm mostly abstinent. 
you know what, uh, a heroin addict uh, can't be mostly, you know, mostly, uh, you know, keeping that substance out of their body. An alcoholic, you know, if you are a true compulsive overeater as I am, you have to put that stuff down 100%. And I'll tell you, I'll just leave you with this. So there I was, the most abstinence I had ever put together. I must be having a spiritual awakening because it sure felt different. Now, mind you, I hadn't worked the steps. I had 35 days of back-to-back abstinence. It was like a miracle. It was a miracle. But see, what I know today is I had temporary sobriety. I had put my food down, and, you know, the cravings kind of went away physiologically, but nothing changed at the inner core of who Larry was. And I certainly hadn't worked these steps in order to have a spiritual awakening, but I certainly felt a little bit better. And there came a day... And I picked up, out came the Skittles, out came the this, out came the that. And next, next thing you know, I'm knee deep in pudding and pizza, you know. And, and then here's where I'll leave you. I thought, well, ah, but I had lost about 10 pounds, 15 pounds. And I thought, I'll pick this up tomorrow. You know, tomorrow never came. It was two and a half years, two and a half years before I, uh, I was able to uh, begin to work these steps at that point. So this is, this is real stuff. Anyways, thank God for this program. It saved my life. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay, and now we have Leah M., please. Thanks so much, Janice. Yes, this is real stuff. Uh, these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. You know, I had to be taught this, and once it was brought to life to me, I had to accept that this is a disability that I have. You know, when I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances that had that effect on me. There was a triggering. Um, You know, the only way an alcoholic can crave alcohol is to first put it in his system, and then the phenomenon of craving develops, and then he can't stop, and he ends up getting drunk and sick. And when I ate my binge foods, I could not control the amount of binge foods I ate. Something happened to me when I put my binge foods into my body. I developed an insatiable appetite in my body for more binge foods. And once I started eating, I had little or no control in stopping. You know, that is my problem. It was like taking a match and throwing it into a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! So, I mean, when, when this text was cracked open, I had to take a look with the guidance of, of someone who had already gone through this process and had helped people numerous times in identifying what were those substances that triggered me. I started by asking myself a simple question. What are the foods that I constantly overeat when I have the chance to eat them? What are those foods that I cannot, absolutely cannot stop? I wrote those down. Then I went further. I asked myself, because I was guided to, you know, whether there's a common ingredient in those foods. Is there a common ingredient? Yes, for me, there were common ingredients. They may not be your common ingredients. I had common ingredients, and I took a look at that. There were certain foods that I absolutely would never go out in the middle of the night to purchase. For instance, Brussels sprouts, right? Farm fresh vegetables, (laughs) Brussels sprouts. 
You know, it, it does not have that physical effect on me. However, if I put butter on my Brussels sprouts, guess what? Ding, 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 ding. Red lights go off. The bells start ringing. My body goes on high alert. Butter and I, we don't get along so well. Okay, I had to say, goodbye, butter. Bye-bye, butter. <laughs> I cannot take in that substance in any form at all. And then I looked at what are those individual eating behaviors that I have. Volume for me was a trigger. So these are things I had to be honest and careful about so that I could abstain from them, so that I could be prepared and available and ready for the spiritual journey of implementing the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Leah M. Yes, we do have time for you, Carolyn H., Please Thank you ahead. so much. Can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. You know, um, I was constitutionally incapable of ever grasping this program because I didn't know how to give myself over completely, how to let go of something that has control of me. And somebody once said to me that step one was the only step in this program that I had to do 100% perfect. And I never understood that. And one day I was sitting there thinking and thinking and thinking, and I said, you know, I'm constitutionally incapable of ever getting this program. It's not working for me. I just can't do this. And the understanding that my binge food had control of me because I wasn't fully recognizing my will being let go. I wasn't giving over my will completely. And the only way that I could fully put down those binge foods was to recognize that I was still wanting to be in charge. I still wanted to be in control of something in my life. My food was the only thing I could control because the rest of my life was so out of control. And once I realized that that's what my problem was. I was my problem, Caroline, and got out of the way and recognized that those foods cannot be in my life. I don't even purchase them for other people. I just can't. It's too scary for me. And I am grateful today that I was able to recognize that and I was able to let go completely of my will. Because that was the only thing that was holding me back. Self-will run riot. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Carolyn H. Um, we have about a minute. Does it, would anyone like that minute? minute or two? Ooh. No? Okay, for those that, um, this is such a great paragraph. We have another meeting coming up, so please stay around if you'd like to share at that time. And at this time, I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. Um, We are now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rebecca F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.